thank God Pastor Jeff said my name in there. I, I thought that was only one song. I was, I was too into my worship. I didn't know we were done. Oh, praise God. Give it up for our worship team. Man, I, I, I know I'm for, I was coming from Riverstone. I didn't know the whole team was coming through. So praise God for that. They all came through. Well, God is good, and we're praying for Pastor Carl right now as he's at Riverstone and kind of just flop places. Don't worry. We'll flip back next week uh, so you guys will get Pastor Carl in the flesh. Uh, just grateful to be here um, and for the opportunity to, to communicate uh, God's word here today. And just first off, I just want to um, really just thank Pastor Carl for the opportunity uh, to stand before you guys here today um, and for him trusting that I can, uh, you know, God using me can communicate uh, what needs to be communicated through um, the series that we are in. Uh, we have such a great uh, lead pastor in Pastor Carl, um, and I'm just blessed to be under him uh, as well as being under Pastor Jeff. Uh, it's just a, uh, we have a great team here. Um, and thank you guys for just doing what you do and, and being here as a part of the body um, and giving and serving. We just want to say thank you guys for that. Um, for we know that through all your resources and through your servanthood, we get to serve our community here in the ranchos um, and beyond. Believe it or not, you guys are helping um, places also, you know, Pastor Carl talks about it all the time, about the churches planted that here, flip side, here in the ranchos has invested in. And if you don't know, it's, it's right there on the back. Uh, they got a whole board and a map that shows you. Um, and even in just the local parts, just even what we uh, are doing in Fresno as well and um, serving the various communities of Fresno. Uh, as we go into this, this series, as we started last week, um, last week we talked about making God preeminent in your life, meaning above all else, right? That God has to be preeminent in your life. And that is how uh, the series of greater has, come up, has stumbled upon us. And so here today, we will finish in chapter one of Colossians um, and then branch into uh, chapter two of the series called Greater. Uh, so if you guys all have your books or your Bibles, um, I don't know why I say books, but Bibles, <laughs> understand we are reading the Bible. Sorry, didn't mean to say books. We are reading the Bible. So if you have it with you or on your mobile device, I probably aged myself, mobile device. Anywho, okay, if you have your, your phone or your Bible, let us, let us open to Colossians 1, verse 29. Here we go. Oh, praise Jesus. Oh, come on, God. Colossians 1, 29, Paul writes, To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, his meaning God, which so powerfully works in me. So here Paul is, is just writing this, this passage saying that even though he labors and he struggles, 
in God's energy. He's not talking about himself here. He's talking about his struggling in his energy, which so powerfully works in him. Have you ever worked as hard as you could at something? Is there something in your life that you, you know, maybe chased a dream um, or maybe you're currently chasing a dream or um, like this goal that you wanted to meet and you work hard physically? You're, you're, you're giving it your all, you know, uh, for me as an ex-athlete, um, you know, we used to, there was, you know, we used to always be like, you know, no days off, you know, try to sound cool and um, they're lying. They, they take days off. But, you know, that, that was like the cool thing to say. Like that was the, the, the motivation behind it all, right? For me, it was football. Like I just knew like God wanted to make me a millionaire through football. Um, just growing up the way I grew up, uh, I knew that that wasn't going to be for me. Uh, my family, we were, uh, we were, my parents were, were, came from the island uh, of Samoa with nothing, uh, raising, you know, six of their own and six more from uh, the, their brothers and sisters. Uh, we lived in a uh, poverty part of town, and uh, so they had to work as hard as they could physically to provide for us. Um, at the same time, my dad was a pastor, um, so that wasn't, he wasn't getting paid for that either. So he just worked his regular job as hard as he could uh, to provide for the family and to give us this, right, this American dream. And for, for me, that American dream was only, um, only capable the way I was taught, it was only capable through like three different ways. Uh, growing up in the, in the hood of where I was from, uh, you would only, the only way you would make it out, and so what they taught us as, at a young age, is either you play a sport, uh, you rap, or you sell drugs. That was the only way they taught, uh, that was the only way that we could see that was the way out of our environment. And so me, I didn't want to be in a product of the environment. I wanted to, you know, try to find a way to um, make it out. So, um, you know, rapping, man, unless I got a ghostwriter, I, I can't rap. Um, I can't even rap gifts. That's a good one. Huh? First service didn't get that one. But I can't even rap, I can't even rap gifts. So, um, and then drug dealing, I don't think I would be good at that. Uh, my wife says I have too good of a heart. Um, and even like things that I'll sell like on Facebook uh, market page, uh, like, you know, I'll meet up with somebody and they're like, oh, man, I'm like, you know, $20 short. I'm like, ah, oh, bro, just have it for free. You know, <laughs> I don't know. And then I would go to the car. And I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, we don't need it. Like, they need it more than we do. You know, so I don't think I would be a good drug dealer. I was... <laughs> so, <laughs> so. What ended up happening is I chased this dream of playing football. And I worked as hard as I could to get into this, this world that I thought that I wanted to be in. This world that I thought God wanted me uh, to pursue. And in the physical, it made sense, right? It just made sense that football was going to be my way out. 
And as, mar- as much as I wanted to work as hard as I can, and as much as I put in countless hours, um, sleepless nights, uh, I would play, when I was overseas, I would come home for about two months or three months and train. And my workout was from like nine o'clock in the morning to like 11.30, six to like eight, nine, and then midnight to like three in the morning. Like that's all I did. Thank God my parents let me live with them. So I didn't have to like have my own house or work a job when I came home. But I just played a game of football and came home and trained. And that's how I worked as hard as I can. I was taking on boxing. I was doing yoga. I was, I know, right? Big dude trying to do yoga. I know. Believe it or not, it was hot yoga too. You know, so I had to sweat a lot. So, uh, but it was one of those things where I was working physically as hard as I can to chase this dream. And as Paul writes in, in this passage, he says that he labors and he struggles with all of his energy. See, today I, I, we want to communicate that our energy or our work ethic in the physical, no matter how hard we work, will soon come to an end. I don't know about in, in your work life, in your, um, in your parenting life, in your school life, of you working hard, there are just those times where it ends up failing. And that's why Paul, in, in, in this passage, and as we go on, he teaches us that work hard physically as hard as you can, yes, But in the spiritual aspect of it, working as hard as you can doesn't work spiritually. Relying on your own strength doesn't work spiritually and physically. And we will learn here today as we go through scripture of what Paul was trying to communicate. (laughs) He goes on later and And we skip over to chapter 3. I know I said we're going to go to chapter 2, but let's skip to chapter 3 real quick. And verse 23, he says, work at what you do with all your heart. Work at what you do with all your heart. Many times we fail physically in life, right? Because we don't work as hard as we can for the things in life, right? Sometimes we get lazy or I hear a lot of like, Again, coming from the athletic world, I don't know about like um, the theater world or musicians um, or just like hard labor. Um, I don't know their lingo and the way they, the words that they use. So I try to stay in my own lane and athlete. I know I don't look athletic. Um, that is my lane, kind of. So as a coach now, it makes sense. But work as hard as you can. Um, work at what you do with all your heart. Many times people fail because they don't work as hard as they can, right? There is sometimes in life where, again, the lack of motivation comes into play, where, you know, maybe you were going to the gym, right? This one always hits, right? You're going to the gym, you're going to be a new you. Oh, wait, it's not January yet. So um, usually people wait till January, but say we're in January, you start to want to be a new you, and then you go for like, I don't know, two months tops, 
That's probably pushing it. Okay, two days tops. And <laughs> that was me. But you go like two days strong and you're like posting selfies and like, you know, texting everybody like, ah, oh, I made it to the gym today or sending it to your group or sending it to your kids. Like, you know, mommy and daddy, we went to the gym today, you know, and then they're waiting for it on the third day and there's no text. So, um, <clears throat> but it's one of those things where like you lose the, the motivation to continue on working hard or, uh, just got tired of it. Like, I don't want to do it no more. Or you get into this a lazy place. And what Paul was trying to communicate when he says work at what we do with all our heart, he was not only talking about spiritually, but he was also talking about physically. Like in everything that you do here on earth, work with all your heart. Glorifying God in all of it. So the things that we do in the physical, in the, in, in the natural, may you work at it as hard as you can, as is if you were working it for the Lord with all your heart. So when you serve people, serve them with all your heart. When you serve teenagers, Let's skip that one. When you serve, but when you serve teenagers, serve them with all your heart. When you serve at your workplace, serve them with all your heart. When you serve your spouse, your husband or wife, may you serve them with all your heart, with all your heart, your kids. Um, again, those that, are in everyday life with you. <laughs> May you serve them and work with them with all your heart. It is hard for us to work at the spiritual things as hard as we can because it is difficult when we don't understand who Jesus is. And if we don't understand that Jesus has already done it all and has already paid it all, then we get into this concept of thinking that we, if we can spend, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a, a camping trip and I'm gonna spend two days with Jesus. And as if we, we begin to believe, like do those things, yes, because those are great things to do. But that's you trying to work spiritually hard to be more right with God. And that's just not how this works because once you said yes to Christ you were already given the task to work as hard as you can even in the seasons of life that we go through you were asked to work as hard as you can and you were asked to give everything you have to God so it shouldn't be like a surprise to you to want to like, I'm going to put overtime in. I'll watch Jesus, Jesus, me and God are going to go have this uh, extra time right now. Maybe that, maybe that'll make yourself feel good, but spiritually that's already what's asked of you. See, as a result, God asks these things that are beyond ourselves so that we realize that we are insufficient and to not rely on our own strength. 
There are times where we become me. And there are things in, in life where we choose us over him. There are things in life that we try to figure out on our own strength instead of his strength. Have you ever done that in life, right? Maybe you're doing it currently. Well, there's probably a situation in your life right now and you're just trying to do it on your own. You're trying to take on this battle by yourself, right? And like, and you, you treat God as if he's just a, a like role player on your team. Like, I'll, I'll call you when I need you. Like, oh, if this doesn't work out, then I'll, then I'll, hey, Jesus, you know what to do. Maybe it's the pride in us. Maybe it's the, the stubbornness in us. But as humans, we try to figure everything out. And I don't know why we do this, especially as believers, but we try to figure everything out on our own. And once it fails, then we want to turn to God for the answers. Right? Has anybody ever done that in their life? A situation in their life? I know for me, it's, <laughs> it's multiple times. Multiple times. Things I knew I should have never got into. I never should have took on by myself. But because I, I convinced myself and the devil has uh, put things in my path that I end up leading to this, I chose the wrong thing to do. And then it just led to failure. Then it, lost, then it led to losing hope. Then it, it led to me being tired and, and weary. Right? Have you, have you, have, I don't know about you guys, but that's just me, I guess. Um, and maybe I'm just preaching to myself. But there are those times and in, in situations in your lives where us, myself, becomes bigger than anything that God has for me. Uh, just look at the world nowadays. Everything is pointed at self-gain, self-loving, self, self, self-checkout, right? I was at Walmart yesterday. Man, unless Walmart, you want to donate to the church. But here's it. Man, I was at Walmart yesterday. And uh, the first 25 lines they had were all self-checkouts. And I was on one side of the store. The checkout line where they had a person at the register was all the way on the other side. I was like, man, see, this is, this is the world. You know, I'm over here. This is the devil, man. We got to do this all by ourselves. Like, you know, my wife's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm just frustrated. I'm trying to get the barcode. I'm like, man, you know, slapping it on a thing. It's like, gosh. But everything is so self-driven nowadays. And it, the, the devil feeds into the lies and we, we allow it to happen where we think that we can rely on our own strength and get things done. And that's just false. That is just false. God asks us that we, he asks things of us that we are not capable of doing. He gives us Situations. There's things that happen in life 
where you weren't created and you are not able to do because it points back to you relying on him. A lot of situations in life happen and certain struggles and hardships we go through because we are relying on us and have yet to understand or to realize to rely on Christ and Christ alone. Amen. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says like this. <clears throat> but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Amen. Amen. Look at that there. That's the IR one. So that is personal. Barely learned that in college. Anywho, will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. And they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the message that God gave. And for us, we have to see this. And it's a beautiful scripture. It's always like an encouraging scripture, but that's what it was meant for. For you to understand that on your own strength and on your own reliance, you will not make it. As much as we want to believe that I can push through, that I can get things done, that I can finish the task, you will fail every single time. You are not, and let's not take this out of the wrong way or context, but you are not strong enough to withstand the evil schemes of this world. As much as we want to believe we are, you are not. That is why for those who hope, hope in the Lord. How many of you guys have hope in the Lord? Amen? Good. Because you will be renewed with his strength. You will soar on the wings like eagles. You will run and you will not grow weary. How many of you guys have grown weary in certain situations in your life? Trying it on your own strength. Or better yet, trying it but thinking it, oh, but I pray that it's God. But it's for selfish desires and selfish wants. And you try your best to make it look like, oh, but isn't this from God? But you know that that is only a selfish want in your life. Growing weary in, this, in certain seasons, there are certain seasons in, your, in life that, that just get tough. That, that you just feel like, man, I can't go another day. Like, man, I don't want to go another day. But this is why our reliance of strength, our reliance of hope are not found within us, only found in Christ. Amen. Paul understood this. And this is why he said, 
that as I labor, struggling with all of his energy, that it's his energy that is so powerful that works within us. Even through Paul's struggle, he didn't rely on his own energy, he relied on his energy that so powerfully works in him. Truth is, everything that God asks of his people, it's beyond the ability for you to do. Everything that God already, everything that God has asked of you, it's already beyond your ability to do it on your own. It's beyond you to, it's beyond your completion. Because that is how God forces us, or I don't want to say force. That is how God has wired us or created us to continue to turn back and to lean on him in every situation. Because in your energy and in your trying to fulfill something or in your reliance on yourself, you will soon either quit or you will soon give up. But in his energy, in his energy, you will continue to soar on the wings like eagles. You will continue to not grow weary. Only in his energy. <laughs> Colossians 2. There was one of the issues that the, the people of Colossae were going through. It, the, the issue that they were going through to was that they were believing in a philosophy called Gnosticism. Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the belief that it's a secret knowledge about God that Jesus brought humans. Salvation comes through gaining that secret knowledge. So Gnostics believe that uh, Gnostics believe that, that when Jesus came, he brought a secret that only certain group of people can understand. And that only that salvation comes from. It's almost like, um, how would you say it? It's almost like how certain modern Gnostics nowadays are like, are like people that preach like um, Jesus came to unlock your potential. That Jesus came to um, allow you to live your life in any way, shape, or form you wanted to live. That that Jesus came to uh, give you this permission to live the life that you want to live. Or to go get whatever you want to go get. You know, nowadays the term is like chasing the bag, you know. That just means like going to get the money over all things. And that kind of sense, it's that's what modern day Gnostics will teach. That you have to go and because Jesus came, you have full range to this potential that you have in you. And it's a very um, questionable way of teaching. 
Because Jesus didn't come to this earth to unlock human potential. Jesus didn't come to this earth so that you can have full range to become whoever you want to be. <coughs> Forgive me. <clears throat> Jesus didn't come for that. Jesus came to this earth to provide necessary. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. He came to provide the sacrifice necessary so that sin can be forgiven. That's why Jesus came to this earth. It wasn't so that you and I can like find out, oh, I was meant to do this. Oh, I can live in the fullness of myself. Jesus didn't come for that. He came here to, to provide the sacrifice necessary for the forgiveness of sin. Amen? The secret, there is no secret knowledge or special behavior that makes one right with God, nor does it unleash the potential that certain people talk about. That you may hear like on a, uh, on a social media platform. Now understand this, that, that stuff sells and it sells good. Like people want to hear that. Like, oh yeah, Jesus did that for me. Jesus came here so I could live a full life full life in this world and on earth, like on earth and in heaven, like I can do whatever I want. Like that's how some people believe um, the, who Jesus is. As Jesus just came here to die so that we can live a fleshly wanted life. But we understand through scripture and, and saying yes to following Christ that there is no secret knowledge of that or behavior that makes us right with God. That there is no way of a, a new knowledge of God that is true about God if it isn't in line with what biblical teachings are. See, they can teach all this stuff, but if it doesn't line up with the word biblically, if it doesn't line up with God's word biblically, it is false. I like to say, like, if it's, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. There's, there's not, I know a lot of, there's, nowadays, there's just a lot of new waves of teaching the word. And, right, there's a lot of antics behind teaching God's word. And it's always like, oh, man, it's a new way of doing it. If it's new, it's probably not true. And I don't shade at anybody. I'm just, the word has been here for years. This word will outlast us. There's nothing new we can bring to scripture. Paul writes in, in Colossians 2, verse 8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, mm. which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. If anyone is teaching anything other than salvation through faith, salvation through Christ, salvation through the cross, 
salvation through crucifixion and the resurrection, salvation through grace. If anybody else teaches something other than that, then it is more than likely false. Another the, a, a belief is that there's, there's people that will say that Jesus was fully God and fully human. The divine union is hollow and deceptive sometimes. When people teach it that way, they make it seem as if Jesus was less than when he came to earth. You have to be careful with the philosophy that, is, that you listen to. I know for us, we, we have a great teacher in Pastor Carl. In the essence that Paul is saying, what Paul is saying is, is basically keep the main thing the main thing. I know a lot of us, um, we like to read like other books, and I'm not, I'm not knocking other books, you know. We like to read other books of, of, you know, oh, this is a Christian writer or a pastor and certain things like that. And I'm not a big reader of other books. Um, and I'm not trying to say this because I feel like I'm better, but I just read the Bible. Um, I really don't dabble in reading, uh, you know, seven ways of how to save a marriage or um, five ways to make your life happier through Christ. Like I, again, respect to all those, but I, I know for me personally, I just try to keep the main thing, the main thing in a sense of Bible and the understanding of Bible. Cause I feel like for me, as where I'm at in this day and age, I, I just can never understand Jesus enough. So my understanding of him and my self to grow within him, I must continue to lean into his word. So that's just for me. You know, I don't, I, I'm not knocking any other kind of books, but I know that sometimes in certain books, the philosophy starts getting changed going from Jesus to, to self. If you pay attention long enough, you'll probably see that in maybe the various books that are being read out there. And yes, I know some of them are written by pastors. And again, I'm not questioning them. I'm just saying that there's certain things that I like to do just to keep the main thing the main thing. Like if, I mean, you mean to tell me you read the Bible enough where you got to read other books? I don't, I don't think that's humanly possible. That the Bible wasn't enough reading for you. So you leaned into other books. I, I, I'm sorry if I'm just, if for the book lovers out there, forgive me, okay? But I'm just saying for me um, and for my encouragement is that why look any other place when the Bible is right there? Scripture is scripture. Because when we start feeding into other things, a lot of the philosophy or the theology is kind of tangled with, okay? Paul goes on and he says this. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility disqualify you. Means those that, that live uh, a very religious life about denying themselves, um, like certain foods or, or certain drinks uh, to be religiously right. Don't let them disqualify you from the grace and the freedom you have in Christ. Now, I just want to share something real quick. Uh, one of the great church tradition teachings is that drinking 
is sin. Drinking is sin. Drinking is horrible. We shouldn't do it. Nobody that believes in Christ should ever drink. Pause. I'm not giving you the green light to drink, but that is not biblical. What is biblical, it says, do not be drunk. But it does not say anywhere in the Bible, and if you find a place, we can talk about it after service. Or better yet, email Pastor Carl. (laughs) But it does not say, don't drink. It does say, do not be drunken. Now, what church tradition has taught is that anybody that drinks, anybody that says they're a believer should not drink. What it also says is do not be a stumbling block for your brothers and sisters. Now, if you have somebody in your life that struggles with this part, and we're talking about the drinking part right now, do not, I encourage you never to be that stumbling block for your brother or sister. I'm not telling you don't drink. I'm just saying that it would be wise for us as brothers and sisters to not indulge in that when somebody who is struggling with it is around. That comes with spiritual maturity. That comes with having discernment. And again, this is not a green light for us to drink, but biblically, that is not correct. That is just something that has been passed on from church tradition. And what Paul says here is don't let anyone who delights in false humility disqualify you. Because some of us like to believe that if I live by this set of rules, I am more right with God than them. You start getting to a place of judgment and you start thinking that what you are doing is more spiritual than others. In Romans 1, 2, it says this, except those, except the one whose faith is weak without coiling or, or arguing or over disputable matters. See, that this part right here that we're talking about, that's a disputable matter. Again, some will feel certain ways. A church, uh, people will feel certain ways about drinking and, and things like that, but it's a disputable matter. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. Now, this is not a, a hit to um, vegetarians or vegans, but that is just a, the example in the Bible. <laughs> Take it up with God. <laughs> But it's one of those things for sometimes for us as people, we will we will use certain rules or traditions to have an upheld standard of us being more right with God than others. But what that shows here as Paul's writing that it's not sin for that, but it is weak faith that they have, that they think that they have to live by the set of rules and condemn others for Disputable matters. 
this, this, this subject is a disputable matter. We can have the talk about drinking and not drinking. But what that shows to, to, to me and, and as me and Pastor Carl were sitting there yesterday, we're um, just going over the notes. It's, that, is, that is what we call weak faith. Because some of us don't indulge in certain things doesn't make us more right with God in the sense that we look down on others in their walk with Christ. See, in all of this, for you not to grow weary, for you to run, for you to soar on the wings like eagles, for, for you to struggle and labor in his energy, you have to understand that God is greater than all of this. That he has to be greater within your life. That Jesus himself has to be great in your life. See, my, my, I have an older brother, uh, very close. Love this dude. But he was uh, struggling with a um, with an addiction, um, especially with, with with drinking. And he was doing great, y'all. He was doing amazing. One hundred and thirty seven days sober. And then, bam, came one hundred and thirty eight day. See, I know for me as a stumbling block for my brother, for me, the conviction came upon me years ago to no longer drink or, or smoke. That was my conviction. I don't, I don't think anybody that does it is wrong. I don't, I don't look down on anybody. But I know for me, my conviction was to not do it again. So I knew never to do it in front of my brother who struggles with it. But on that day that he relapsed, it was just a day where his his faith became weak because doing it on his own strength failed him. For the first part of that half of those 137 days, he was killing it. He was involved in church. He was serving. He was going to his classes. He was so involved. Prayer meetings, Bible studies, men's group. You name it, he was there. On the last half of him, you know, failing at it, you know, missing one Sunday led to missing three. And he'll call me like, man, brother, you know, forgive me. You know, it's that conviction, right? Because I'm his, I'm his younger brother, but I'm the, I'm the so-called the pastor of the family. He's like, I'm going to go next week, though. Cool. Just, just keep going, man. Keep pushing. Keep growing in Christ. Keep growing in your faith. Continue to lean on to his strength. Then missing three Sundays became missing two months. And he just fell away. But that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to give up. He wants you to try to do it on your own. Because he knows if he can get you to try to do it on your own, 
he has won the battle. Once your life starts turning away from living for Christ and start do, stop doing the things for Christ and stop letting Christ live within you, then the devil knows he has you where he wants you. Amen. That's what the problem of, in Colossae they were having. They were believing in all these other things, the secret knowledge of, of Jesus and what he came to unlock, the, 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 the situations of life, we're getting them to question certain things of God, which led them, uh, which led them to trying to do things on their own strength. See, this is something that we have to take away, church, in understanding that we, no matter how humanly possible strong you are, I'm not talking about push-ups and weightlifting, we cannot do it. On our own. Your strength is not enough. You were created with the ability to be unable to do certain things. So that it points back to Christ and his strength. Amen? Amen. In all this. We have to understand that God is greater. He is greater because his strength allows us to, to be in it for the long haul. He is greater because he, he gives us the power to continue on and not quit. He is greater because he is the key, the true freedom from both guilt and religious rules. Simple faith is, is the finished work of Christ on the cross. Amen. That's as, that's as simple as you can get. Your simple faith is the finished work that was done on the cross. That we can live in and that we can love and be grateful in. The one thing that to know and believe, the one thing to trust in, and the one thing to live in is Christ. In Christ alone. Because of the ultimate sacrifice, you and I have the ability to live in freedom in Christ. Not by a set of rules of, of what religious people say. Because Jesus came not to abolish, but to personally live out the law. And in that, you can find, we should find, strength in him. And as Paul closed up chapter 1, it is in his labor and in Paul's struggling with his energy. That's where he received the power because the power of God works within him, he was able to have that energy to labor and struggle. Work as hard as you can in the physical with all your heart to bring glory to God. In the spiritual, continue to know that you don't have the ability 
to do the things that God has called you to do. But how great our God is because he created you like that to lean onto him every single day. To lean on him in every hardship. To lean on him in every decision you make in your life. Keep the main thing the main thing. Don't listen to weird philosophy and weird theology. Continue to own in what biblically is right. And continue to find that freedom that we are allowed to live in Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Father God, we pray that you will help us apply this to everyday life. Father God, that we know that there is freedom in you, Father God. It's not by a set of rules or or what religious people tell us, but Father God, that we have the okay, Father God, to live within that freedom from guilt, from shame in you, Father God. Jesus, we thank you for what was done on the cross years ago. We love you and we praise you, Father God. May you continue to be greater in our lives, Lord. For you alone, Father God, are worthy. I pray for anybody in here, Lord, that is seeking for your strength, Lord Jesus. I pray for those that are weak right now. Strength or weaken their faith, Father God. I pray that you will have a renewed strength for them, waiting for them, Lord Jesus, as they turn to you, Father God. I pray for any families that are just going through the mud right now. Father God, marriages, relationships. I pray a covering of your love and your mercy, your grace to continue to be greater in their lives so that we can live this life in freedom for you, Father God. Again, we thank you and we love you. Your precious, your holy and matchless name. Amen.